welcome everyone once again to More Than a Storybook. Our purpose here is to deepen our understanding of the Bible, showing that the Bible is, well, more than just a storybook. This is Joshua Druff and Chad France, and today we're here to discuss a special topic of naked and ashamed. This is somewhat coming out of our discussion on the last episode of Noah and his sin, which involved this issue. And so we're going to be kind of hopping around throughout the Bible, but our discussion will be broken down into three main parts, pre-fall, post-fall, life in the middle, and actually a fourth bonus part of redeemed life. And so those will be our four areas that we're talking about. And to begin with, we'll start off with pre-fall. Josh, would you like to lead us to the area in the Bible where we'll be looking at for that? Yeah, and even before that, I want to give a little disclaimer of this is a big hot-button issue in our culture today now, right? I mean, so much talk about body positivity and what you do with your body and treat your body how you want. No one can tell you what to do. Um, And then at the same time, we see people in our culture shaming other people for their body. This huge battle that our society does not understand with regards to nakedness and shame and honor. And I can almost guarantee that you have or will deal with issues like that, whether it be um, your own body or other people's bodies. Um, So we want to see what the Bible says about our bodies and how we are to treat them. And just a little um, kind of way to ease our tension, we will not get too graphic here. Um, We will try to keep it as um, clean as possible as we discuss this really important and especially important in our culture issue. So when we look at the Bible, we it doesn't take us long to see this theme of nakedness and shame. We look way back in Genesis chapter 2 after God created everything and created Adam and Eve. In Genesis 2:25 it says, "And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now that's interesting for us because in our culture and, well, in the culture of humanity, nakedness oftentimes is seen as a bad or shameful thing. But when God created the earth, he did not intend it to be that way. He created humanity in a state of innocence. And that state of innocence was one of love and care and treating people for the people who they are, namely the image of God, as we see in Genesis 127, that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. That way back in the beginning, God's plan was to make man and woman have them be naked, but because they were able to view each other as the image of God and not take advantage of each other, that it was in a state of innocence, that it was a good thing that we did not have to be ashamed about. Yeah, and in that innocence, it wasn't something that was even thought of. It was just normal. It was just a way of life because the human mind was pure at that point, not stained by sin, not stained by depravity. The human minds of Adam and Eve thought only pure, clean thoughts, so it wasn't an issue at all. But then everything changed. But I do want to focus on this pre-fall state. This is the way that things are supposed to be. And when we go to heaven, we're going to get to that in the redeemed life. We are going to return to a state of pure minds where our minds think only 
God honoring thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that was the situation with Adam and Eve. This is the way things should be. This is ideal. What we have now in our world is not the way that things should be at all. And I think that's important to note because there are many people in our culture that praise the depraved mind, the mind that looks at people and their bodies in a wrong way. And that's almost praise in our culture. Songs, movies, they elevate that. They praise that. And it just shows that that's total opposite from what God desires. Mm-hmm. It is This is what God wants, the innocence in it, not the way that our minds are now. It's wrong. And yeah. so what is good in this passage exposes what's wrong in our society. Yeah, so can I ask a leading question then? Are our bodies something to be ashamed of? Are our bodies shameful in and of themselves? Not at all. Our bodies are not shameful in and of themselves. They are created good by God, but it is sin that has caused the mind to become depraved and then cause our bodies to be something that we have to be ashamed over. Yeah, and we see that in Genesis chapter 3. This state of innocence doesn't last long. It lasts, well, what, like four verses? five verses um, before Adam and Eve sin, they disobey God. And it says in verse seven of Genesis three, that the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they hid from God even, we see, um, because they were naked. We see that in verse 10, you guys can look there. Um, That once they sinned, once this, kind of selfish nature really kicked in and permeated our world, that nakedness, the state of our bodies as God created them, was somehow perverted. And what's really interesting to me is it doesn't say that, oh, they took the nakedness that they already had and created it sinful. It says that they realized they were naked, almost as if they didn't really know any better beforehand. They didn't know that there was anything bad about it, so they didn't care whether um, they were naked or not. But then once sin was brought into the world, they realized, wait, we can really cause shame because of our state of being. We see in Genesis 2.17, the tree that they ate from is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They didn't even have this knowledge of evil before and evil thoughts and a realization of sin and the potential for shame. It wasn't something that existed. They didn't even know it. But now that they've eaten of this tree, they understand and Mm -hmm. they understand evil and their minds think evil thoughts. And so they are ashamed. And so they sew together the fig leaves. They cover themselves. The advent of clothing didn't exist before this, but now they have it. And it's really sad because this is not the way that God designed things Mm -hmm. to be. But this is the way things are now. And so I think that this leads to a discussion of life in the middle. What is going on now with this issue? We clearly last time saw with Noah when he was naked, it was a matter of shame as his son saw his father naked and in a way had sinful thoughts, whether that be making fun of him, just dishonoring his father, being pleased at his father's deranged state. Uh, we are going through this now in our world. It hasn't changed. We are in the middle, in this state of needing clothing because of the shamefulness of being naked. So the question is, what are the issues at hand then? What are the issues at hand with this, Josh? Yeah, so there are many issues at hand, and perhaps the 
core foundational question that we could bring with all these issues is what about nakedness after the fall brings shame, right? What is the sin behind the shame of nakedness now that we are in a world prevalent and overtaken by sin? And I believe it's stripping away the personhood of the other, taking someone else and saying, I'm not viewing you as a person created in the image of God, but I'm viewing you as an object that I can take pleasure in. And we see that in Genesis 9, as we talked about, that it was stripping away of the personhood of Noah and that shamefulness in that, that caused Ham's sin. And that stripping away of the personhood is, well, it leads to so many other issues, right? Um, The first one is, well, just that the very core of objectifying people, of looking at people made in the image of God and saying, I am going to get pleasure from you, in a way steal it from you, for myself, by not treating you as someone created in God's image. And that is the first kind of major issue that we have to deal with nowadays, is objectifying someone else by taking pleasure from their body that God created and not viewing them as God's image. No, that's very true, and that that is the ultimate issue. It's not the body that's sinful, it is the mind that is sinful, the heart. Our hearts are the source of the sin, and so now what happens is, is our minds sin upon seeing a naked person. There's the capacity for sin there. It, exactly as Josh said, objectifying a person, taking away their personhood, and sinning with what is going on in our heart and our mind. So this leads to a discussion of this is what brings the sin. It's sin in our heart as we witness someone that is naked. So what are some implications of this? Well, one that comes to mind is the issue of modesty. That's what we see right away. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They realized that they needed to be clothed. They realized that that was important. So we understand the importance of modesty. We watch how we dress. In the church, in the world, people don't care as much. They may play up being immodest for selfish, sinful desires. But what are some biblical passages that teach us about modesty and its importance, Josh? Yeah, so the first one is in First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. And pardon me while I turn there. I did not have it bookmarked. So if you get there first, you can read it, Chad. I'll go ahead and read it for us. It says, we'll start in verse 8. Paul says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Mm. And, And so this passage here, it talks about women. We know that it's important not only for women to be modest, but also men. The passage focuses on women specifically, though. Uh, Due to the ability for women, we can all agree men are not as beautiful as women. (laughs) It's it's a well-known concept. After all, in Genesis, we talked about already how the sons of God saw the daughters of men and how they were attractive. They're beautiful. And so there's an ability for distraction. This is in the place of worship. And so the goal is that women in the church that are God-fearing women adorn themselves in such a way that it doesn't distract from God and from worshiping him. 
and a way that's appropriate, a way that's respectable. And so in a way, I think that's the key thing with modesty, both for men and women, is we want to adorn ourselves in a way that doesn't attract attention to make us distracting to others Mm -hmm. and to lead to us in the place of worship, sinning by not being focused on God or thinking simple thoughts. We need to be courteous toward each other both ways, you know, and I think that's kind of what I get from this passage. How about you, Josh? Yeah, um, I'd very much so agree trying to love the other person, whether you are a guy or a girl, by watching how you dress. I know when I was in high school, there was a big discussion because in our gym class, there would be a huge push for women being modest, and yet guys would walk around with tank tops that the armholes went all the way down to their waist, so you could see everything from their waist up. Um, It's such a big issue not to distract, not to cause someone else to sin and love them by not providing that temptation. My mind goes to Romans chapter 14. There's a big discussion about how to interact with people on certain things, mainly with food sacrifice to idols, an issue that we don't really deal with nowadays, but the principle there is very strong as well. In Romans 14, 13, it says, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother or sister. And that entire thing is in a way to love that other person, to say, hey, I know that maybe using my body in a certain way to draw attention to myself can cause you to sin, to put a stumbling block in front of you. So I do not want to do that. And I want to help protect you in love by helping you and in a way myself, right? The person talking by not causing you to sin or not making it easier for you to sin. So this modesty goes both ways. And I think the main focuses are distracting from worshiping God and not causing others to go into a sin that is not good. I completely agree. And we even see this idea in what Adam and Eve did in Genesis 3, 7. They both sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths for the courtesy of each other and for other people. Uh, Adam and Eve would have children, and so this was a courtesy. Both genders practice for each other because we don't want to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of each other. And so Mm -hmm. it's ultimately a consequence of sin. It's not ideal. Working with youth and youth ministry, I see a lot of youth that resist the idea of modesty. <laughs> they don't want to do it. It's, they they want to dress how they want, but we have to understand, no, we have to do this out of courtesy for each other and ultimately not putting a stumbling block before each other. Mm-hmm. The ultimate idea is to honor God in that way. We are told to love our neighbor as ourself, and that is the key principle here. So it's very important for us to consider that. A second area, talking about life in the middle and the this overall topic, Josh mentioned objectification earlier and objectifying someone. Job 31.1 touches on this topic, and Job understood it very well. Uh, this verse, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes, how then I could gaze at a virgin. And the key issue here that Josh mentioned is that we can look at people and objectify them, take away their personhood. We can view them purely based on bodily features and sinfully process that. 
And that's completely wrong. And that's all over the place in our society. Mm -hmm. We do that with films that we watch. We do that with literature that we read. We do that with movies and TV shows. It's so easy for us to do it. And it's on the forefront. I see it all the time. Even songs that we listen to praise this. Many of the hit songs are praising, objectifying the human body. Um, and it's not right. And many of you know what I'm talking about as you listen to that. I don't need to get into detail with it. But Joe, being a godly man, made a covenant with his eyes. How then could he gaze at a virgin? And this applies whether you're a man or a woman. We need to do this. If we are claiming to be followers of God, we know that we can sin in how we process what our eyes see. Now, I want to make a clarification here. There is a difference between just seeing something and there is a difference between sinning and seeing something. We will witness things, but we have to handle it properly. It is how we process it in our mind and in our heart. If we linger on something and if we take it in and we think thoughts, then we have sinned. But if we see something and we have that covenant with our eyes, we're going to stop and go, no, I will not think about this in a wrong way. We will pray in that mm -hmm. moment to God for help. And it's so important that we do that. Uh, many of you, when you were young kids, may have heard the children's song at church, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see because your father up above is looking down in love. Be careful little eyes what you see. And I think that's a good song. It's so simple. But God is looking down in love. And so he sees what we're thinking, the thoughts in our minds. So we need to be careful what we process with our eyes and how we view it. And that's what Job did. Job did that. And so I really think that that's how we battle this, this desire to objectify people. It's something that every person struggles with, male or female. And our society praises it. If you're an unbeliever, this is something that's accepted as being fine and everyone does it. I worked in the construction world for a while, and there this happens all the time. The guys on a construction site objectify women all the time. It's wrong. It's inappropriate, and it dishonors God. But mm -hmm. it's something as believers, we need to make that covenant with our eyes. Yeah, and oftentimes this discussion I have heard um, can be skewed, right? Saying with the topic of modesty, you, your bodies, and in a sense you, are shameful, so you need to cover up. Um, or it really all being put on women, right? But it really is due to the fact that we as humans, both men and women, have the temptation and the tendency to, as I said, strip away what makes us truly human and created in God's image by objectifying one another. And modesty comes in because it is helping and loving by keeping people away from that sin. But it is also so important for anyone looking or tempted to ob objectify someone else to keep careful watch over what they do. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because this, our bodies and how we treat our bodies, both how we treat our own bodies and other people's bodies, is extremely important to God and for some very specific reasons. Yeah, so 1 Corinthians 6, are you there, Chad? I am there. I'll go ahead and read it. It says... Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Hmm. Yeah, it's such a powerful and I believe often misinterpreted passage in our Bible, talking about what we do with our bodies and oftentimes the shame that comes with our nakedness. 
that our bodies belong to God, that our bodies are a temple for God, that they are good and we ought to treat them with the respect and reverence that they deserve being a temple of God and being a creation of God. I had a uh, godly man in my life who once talked to me about this passage and the way he said it was so helpful. He said, okay, when you are going to do something with your body, with your eyes, is it something that you want to drag God into? Because if your body is a temple of God, that means the Holy Spirit is within you. You're dragging the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father into whatever you're doing. And that is a powerful thing. So he said, when you are about to do something sinful with your body, think about I'm dragging the Holy Spirit into this. If you're a believer, that's the situation. Mm -hmm. And that is a really scary thing to think about that the minute that I sin with my eyes and how I use them with my body, I am dragging God into it if I'm a believer mm -hmm. and God's right there witnessing all of that. I don't think we often think that way in the moment, yeah. but that is very convicting when we view it that way. And it's so vital and so important that we understand that. So great passage to go yeah. to, and I encourage all of us to think about it that way. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this issue, right? Not objectifying others, not causing others to stumble by making yourself an object, to honor your body because it was God's is tough, right? It is hard to do. It is a struggle that we will fight all throughout our life. But I think it is so important to realize that we are created by God, that our bodies are not bad in and of themselves. They're actually a good thing. And if we keep that in mind, that our bodies are good and created by God, that our nakedness was not created to be shameful, but we have perverted it to be shameful by stripping people of their personhood, that helps put it in perspective. And I mean, it could be very easy to get discouraged, right? Like, how are we going to get better on? Is there ever going to be anything better? Are our bodies just destined to be objects in the eyes of others? Um, or are we destined to struggle with objectifying others and dishonoring the temple of God that dwells within us? And I think that's where we hit this last section, that there is hope, right? Yeah, the redeemed life. We are not gonna stay in these bodies forever. We all know that at some point we're gonna die if you are an unbeliever, you will go to a place of eternal punishment, the lake of fire, according to the scriptures, hell. But if you are a believer in Christ, we have good news that we're going to receive new bodies. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 44 emphasizes this for us. Such an encouragement. It's talking about when Christ comes back and what will happen. It says this, it says about our bodies. I'll start in verse 30. 42, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And this is fantastic news for those of us that are believers that have been saved by Jesus. When we go to heaven, God is going to, upon the return of Jesus, provide us with new spiritual bodies. And these bodies will not have the weaknesses or hindrances of the sinful bodies that we have right now. And this is wonderful hope, is yeah. it not, Josh? Yeah, definitely. Such amazing hope that we can go back to a state where we can look at 
each other and not objectify, not strip away the personhood of them, but view each other in the innocence that we had way back in Genesis chapter 2. Going back to this renewed state of innocence and perfection when we go to heaven, when we live with Jesus and see him in all of his glory. Revelation 21, the very, or almost the very end of your Bible in verse 5 says, And he who was seated on the throne, that is God, said, Behold, I am making all things down. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That there is hope that we will live a life without shame because God is making all things, our bodies, our minds, um, new. And we will be then without sin, without the negative effects of sin tainting how we view ourselves and one another that there is hope that we can live in a place where innocence and perfection and beauty reign supreme without being tainted by sin. It's so encouraging because I know right now I struggle in my sinful body. I'm tempted and it's a daily battle as I'm sure it is for each of you. And to have the hope that God's going to make all things new, that's why we need to focus on heaven. We need to focus on what's coming next and that should cause us to have a desire to fight the good fight of the faith right now, to be like Job making a covenant with our eyes and really seeking to honor God because it's not going to stay this way. We live life in light of the hope that we have in him. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's a great note to note to end on. God isn't going to keep things this way. He's going to yeah. fix everything. He's going to yeah. make all things new. He's going to make it all right. He's going to return us back to the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. the way it was supposed to be all along. And that's the great story that God's doing. I actually named my daughter Eden. Uh, My wife didn't necessarily have this exact view in mind, but we agreed on it once we talked about it. We liked the name Eden because that's what we're going back to. It's a reminder of our brokenness as people, but ultimately God is going to cause a return to the Garden of Eden, the innocence, the purity, where man was with God in perfect harmony. And that's what Mm -hmm. we're going to get to experience there. And I'm so excited for it. Yeah, so as you're reading your Bibles, and you you will see a lot of issues that talk about bodies and nakedness and shame, keep this discussion in the back of your mind, that God created us for honor, and that our sinful human tendency is to take the good thing that God created and pervert it, but there is always, always hope. Definitely. And so with that, that concludes our special episode, Naked and Ashamed. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of More Than a Storybook. Thank you for joining us. And if you happen to have any questions or comments, something you'd like to share with us, you are more than welcome to email us at crfhistorian at gmail.com. That's crfhistorian at gmail.com. And we'd be happy to interact with you and respond. But this is Chad France. And this is Josh Woodruff signing off once again for more than a storybook. Have a great day.